Welcome to Practical Access. I'm Lisa Deeker. And I'm Rebecca Hines. And in this episode, we have we have a guest that Lisa Deeker is going to absolutely love because our guest is Lisa Deeker. I really like myself, Becky, so thank you for reminding me. <laughs> Dr. Deeker, um, we would be remiss if we did not tap into your vast expertise um, as we as we think about bringing in different voices into the field um, and into the discussion. So this morning, I know both of us have just been thinking, as have all of our colleagues across the country, about about the shutdowns and emergency situations and this move to a lot of online learning. And so I think in this episode, you're going to share with us some specifics on progress. So I'm really excited to talk about this topic because it's something I have personally been trying to kind of think through because I keep getting asked this question by my friends and colleagues. And, you know, it's funny, I go back to something that seems so silly, but so important. And it's what I've always called my one minute co-planning model where, you know, what's the bullseye? I think the mistake we keep making, whether it's brick or mortar or online, is we keep throwing the dart all over the place. And it's kind of hard to progress monitor the whole entire dartboard. It's pretty easy just to count the number of bullseyes you get on the dartboard. And usually I'm really bad at darts. <laughs> I don't get any. So, you know, the N is zero. Um, but I think too many times in progress monitoring, we don't start with that simple piece. And I think online, it's even more important. I think it's important, in my opinion, to have two bullseyes online. One is what I call netiquette or, you know, what's the behavior you expect today? So I have a great teacher who said to me that day, she said, what I expect is when I ask them to come back from the timer, I expect them all to turn on their cameras just long enough to smile at me. She said, some of them don't want to leave their cameras on because they've got three siblings in the background and what have, but she said, I just want them to check in. If they really won't turn on their cameras, I want a data check and progress monitor. They at least have to type me some kind of kind word to me. So she said, I'm trying to keep their mood up and, and deal with at the same time, making sure they're on camera. I was like, yeah, because you think a high schooler doesn't go online and then go back to sleep and then show up at the end and go, oh, I didn't understand what you're talking about. And then the second thing that, that very quickly there, I would just say is the academic bullseye. I think we often have the academic one without the social one. Uh, and I think they're equally important both in brick and mortar and online, but that's where I think we start with progress monitoring. And I think those are both great points, the, the behavior and the academic piece and even little subtle academic pieces that might not be grade related. Um, but let's, let's take that kind of broad concept because we know as educators, we're always looking um, to improve or increase a behavior in one of those two areas. So tell me specifically, Lisa. So let's go back to your example of the teacher who expects kids to turn that that camera on for that you know split second. How does she progress monitor that specifically? You must have known what I was wanting to talk about next. And we, by the way, we didn't practice this in advance. <laughs> but I honestly, I'm a big believer in a very simple data chart. Uh, we could go complex uh, with, you know, a column for academic, a column for social, we could have data, but I am much simpler than that. I think if you know anything, I'm like slow maintenance and practical when it comes to, to classroom data. And that is check plus minus. So I go and look at the screen. <laughs> I give the whole class a minus today because nobody did well or only a few did. Or I can individually look and say, check, 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 check. Depending on what you're looking for, I can take a quick uh, screen capture 
of everybody's on the screen. Okay, great. Thanks. I got everybody checked in attendance. One of my personal favorites is I have a teacher who she actually does attendance by asking the kids a question and they have to type the response to prove they're there. She said, I do it in brick and mortar. I do it online. What's your least favorite green vegetable? Uh, what historical figure do you think should have never been considered a historical figure? You know, anything she wants to know, but now she's got data and that's how she takes attendance. She said, I don't look around the room and see if you're there. I don't go online and check to see if everybody's in my class of 32. If you didn't answer that question, I say, hey, Jackson, <laughs> why didn't you answer? Oh, I didn't get to that yet. Okay, well, when you answer the question, then you're present. And so I think we need really simple things like that, some kind of simple data chart that looks at the bullseye academically, but also looks for that social emotional piece. And so once you have your checks and um, minuses or whatever I'm putting on my chart, what do you do with it from there? Do you share that with the students and say X percentage of us did this today? Um, do you have kids set personal goals with that data? Or do you just use that yourself as the teacher for something? Yeah, I, so I'm a big believer that that at the end of the lesson, if my bullseye is that you can name the main conflict in the French Revolution, uh, and I gave half the class a minus, probably I need to do a mini reteach. But if two kids are a minus, I think I should reach out to them in an online environment and have a little office hour chat with them or try to pre-teach them something coming. So I like to always say everybody who's a plus can go over here and here's your enhancement lesson. <laughs> and those of you who are checks or minuses at this point in time, and I can send that through private chat. I can put that in a, you know, in a, in a class dojo to them. I mean, there's so many ways you can give kids data today, but I think the biggest thing is I want students to be empowered to get that to at least a check and how that happens in a brick and mortar is one of my personal favorites that again, could look similar online. You'd have to have a virtual marble, uh, but kids drop a marble and I got this, or I'm still, I'm, I still not there yet. And the still not there yet kids are the ones that I think we want to look at. If I'm co-teaching, the, the two teachers can share that data really quick. What's our plan? Hey, Bucky, you know, I'm going to stay online for 30 minutes to do an enrichment lesson. Would you offer a little remediation lesson? So I think that our goal should be that everybody leaves with a check. And if not, I should stay up, not all night because teachers are already stressed, but I should stay up and think about what is it that keeps that pattern of that minus for student A, B, or C? How do I break that habit for them? And I think you and I both are big on paying off the slot machine. So best idea I've heard in a long time, I was talking to this teacher. I was like, I am stealing this. He said, I start every week in my online environment that you get three assignments. And you, if you do one of those, you get a C. Two of those, you get a B. Three of you, you get an A. And I said, he said, but my C assignment is so stinking easy that if you don't do it, you look really stupid. Like list the two countries in the conflict of the French Revolution. And he's like, well, that would be one, right? And so he said, it's kind of a trick question, but he said, then the kid gets a C, then they're more motivated to work towards the B. They're more, more So again, trying to make sure that the kid who's a minus isn't a minus forever. And I see too much of our progress monitoring being flatline data and never resuscitating a kid from that flatline. I think that's a great point. And we do forget that that one principle is that success breeds success. We have so many kids who are so accustomed to failing that they've given up trying. And I think that's a great, a great specific strategy. I want to circle back a little bit to what you were saying about this idea of all of the all of the students who have mastered whatever my goal is for today, giving them an extension activity. Because in brick and mortar schools, 
um, that I've worked with, and we've talked about this before, extension activities are what I see as missing. You know, we know kids have mastered something and yet, you know, these four kids didn't get it. So I'm reteaching to the entire group. So to your point about extension, let's think about that online. Are you suggesting then that the teacher has an extension breakout room for kids? And do I, you know, who's leading that if I don't have a co-teacher? How do you envision that working? Yeah, so I, I think it could be synchronous or asynchronous. So if I don't have a co-teacher and my class ends at 11, I say, hey, join me from 11 to 11.10 for an enhancement enrichment activity for those of you who really want to. And I have a teacher who does this. She said, it's great. The kid who's a minus always shows up in the enrichment. She's like, because I don't close it off to anybody. And I was like, hey, but if he thinks he's gifted, he's gifted. So, you know, again, sometimes self-esteem breeds a lot, a lot of positives. So that's one way. Or I can simply have, um, there's a great called Ditch the Textbooks website, if you've never seen it. And he offers just lots of different ideas. Like one of my favorites is this gap minder place where kids can go and explore families in other countries and think about and compare and contrast what that might look like during the French Revolution. So I, I think it can be both ways, but I think it should be something that um, isn't like mandated, like you're gifted, therefore you must show up. That's the other mistake I think we say is, well, if you got a plus today, maybe you just got lucky, Becky. You know, today was your day, you were on. <laughs> and tomorrow uh, you might be a minus. So on those plus days, offering that option, but not making it, if you don't do this, your score is lower. I think that's the other mistake we make is that if a kid is gifted, you know, we think they're gifted in everything. Well, maybe I really like writing, but reading, come on, you know, that's just not my genre as much. And so giving those options, but not making it just for the plus only kid. I think that's the other mistake. Everybody's gifted in their own way. Yeah. I love that idea of having a scheduled extension time every day for any kid who wants to drop in. And I know from teaching online for 20 years now myself, that when you, when you offer something extra like that, you know, often we judge ourselves by how many people show up. And I try to encourage all of our doctoral scholars and my colleagues, you know, when you add that something extra, even if only two people show up, it's okay because those two people are teaching classrooms full of kids, you know, and in the same way, you know, those two kids who might show up to your extension activity might be people who are going to change the world. So giving, you know, so judging ourselves always by the numbers of people who show up when we go the extra mile, like a little extension opportunity. Um, I love the idea of keeping it open for any kid who chooses to give it a try. Um, so circling back to the progress monitoring piece one more time, um, you mentioned your paper pencil version. I know that as somebody who is very tech savvy, you must have some ideas on how we could accomplish this easily as teachers digitally. Thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I think that that goes, I, I start with paper pencil because sometimes digitally is complicated if there's more than one individual involved. And so, you know, I love like a class dojo for getting data points. But again, if I'm the dojo person and you hate it, that's really not the best tool. So I always say go with the path that works for you the best. I have another friend who has an in-depth Excel spreadsheet and offers color codes. But when I look at it, I lose my mind because I'm like, okay, so what's a blue code mean? She's like, well, that means they're semi in the warning stage. I'm like, okay, that's too much for me. So I sometimes, even though I am a big tech person, I think data monitoring sometimes as simple as best. And so whether you use technology or paper pencil, again, a, a one, two, three, a four, five, but here's the last thing I'm gonna say in progress monitoring 
is it must communicate to kids that that's the data you gathered. I think the mistake we keep making is at the end of the semester, because like, what, I got a D? I thought I was getting an A in this class. You know, mom, I, I can't explain it because, you know, and, and I think that's what we've done wrong. And my, my tip for doing better with that data is open up your options. And we've always talked about UDL, but I truly believe the best assessment for learning is here's the three things I taught you this week. Show me you know them. Show me in any way, shape, form. That way then my progress monitoring, no matter how I do it, whether it's a check plus minus A, B, C, one, two, three, four, five, to me, the, the progress monitoring is about opening up the product. But I think the progress monitoring should be the simplest, easy way, easiest way for you and for communication to the students. Great point. So to wrap up this episode, I will say, for those of you who are using tools like ClassDojo, and I mentioned that tool in particular, don't forget, you can set academic goals in there. You could say something like identifies a noun. The good thing about a product like that one, you have your whole class there. You can open it on your phone and just click on the students who identified the noun. And so you could do some easy data tracking that way. Um, I think Lisa's point about making sure that we use whatever is our most comfortable. And Lisa, the other thing that I think is key that you mentioned um, today is that idea of, of making students a part of the progress monitoring process. You know, I've seen fantastic teachers who have kids literally chart their progress. And when we raise student awareness about it for our kids who <clears throat> are high functioning um, and can understand progress monitoring, uh, when we bring them into the conversation, I think increasing their awareness definitely changes and shapes their behavior and gets them excited when they start to see that they are in fact getting off of that baseline zero and moving, moving up the ladder even if it is smaller increments. And that's the goal of progress monitoring. So I would like to thank our guest today, Dr. Lisa Deeker. And I would also like to kick it back to Dr. Lisa Deeker <laughs> for a final goodbye. Well, thank you, Dr. Hines, for having me as our guest today. It was fun to have just a conversation with you today. Um, and again, thank you for listening to our podcast. And hopefully you found some practical tips. Uh, and if you have questions, please send us questions on Facebook. It's Practical Access is our Facebook page. Or you can tweet us at Access Practical. Thanks for joining us.